Today I'm interviewing Jay. This is an alias because of anonymity. He is a British national who made his move to Austria in 2020. So this episode is all about Article 50 immigration for British nationals and immigrations during the pandemic. Hope you enjoy this episode. Hi Jay, thank you for being on my podcast. Hi. Hey, it's really nice that you agree to do this and that you tell us a bit about your experience of coming into Austria. Do you first want to tell everyone about um, why you're here and uh, what you did in your home country and where you're originally from? Well, I'm from the UK and uh, I was studying computer science before I decided to move to Austria. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm assuming after the vote to, like, to do the Brexit, you decided, hey, you need a European visa. And then all of a sudden you had to deal with all of this being a European previously, right? Yeah, um, not being a European anymore was kind of a big loss to me uh, because I've spent a lot of time traveling around Europe. I've got lots of European friends. Um, but it wasn't the most urgent thing. Uh, the urgent thing was that I'd started seeing uh, an Austrian girl and was thinking about what I wanted to do after my studies anyway and moving before the Brexit deadline was kind of in the back of my mind but then coronavirus hit mm. and obviously that puts more time pressure on the decision and uh, yeah I ended up making a very uh, quick move away from the UK to come here. Wow, that's such a drastic uh, measure and under so much pressure as well. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, I was in Austria sort of around the start of March. And just as I was going to head back, we sort of noticed that the border to Czechia was closing and like, some of the flights were being cancelled to places. And so I got to the airport flew back to the UK and realized very quickly that the situation wasn't going to get any better. So we talked about it that weekend um, and I packed up my whole apartment overnight, um, got a friend to sort of help me sort of move it from our apartment into storage and then just got the next flight to Austria the, the following day, uh, the day before the borders shut. Wow, that's so hectic. Okay, and uh, when you realized, hey, Brexit came through, now you're not officially European anymore, mm -hmm. how did you handle this? What did you first do? I mean, you needed a visa. How did you find out which one you needed or which one did you settle on? Well, moving in March of 2020 made things a lot easier. Uh, and this was part of the reason why I already had this sort of idea on the back burner anyway because I realized that after the 31st of December then it would be a lot more involved because the transition period for the withdrawal agreement meant that as long as I was resident in Europe by the end of that transition period then I would have full rights as a European within the country that I moved to in this case Austria so relatively speaking it was quite straightforward 
Um, there wasn't nearly as much bureaucracy as there could have been simply because I was already resident in the country by the end of the year once I'd made a decision to move. Mm -hmm. And uh, what's the visa you're on specifically called? So it's called an Article 50 um, uh, arrangement. I can't remember the, the German word for it. Um, but uh, yeah, it was part of the withdrawal agreement, as I said, uh, that the arrangement exists. And as a result, I had to go to MA35 and re-register um, for my, um, my residency, which I had done previously. Um, but then uh, after the transition period, I had to get new paperwork to say, yes, okay, here's my... Um, and Milder Bischeiningel mm -hmm. and uh, I want this sort of uprated then so uh, I am sort of still covered as a British citizen in Austria past the end of that transition period so yeah I went to MA35 uh, went wait let's back up yeah, a bit sure. before how did you find out what you had to do and what were your exact steps kind of like how did you do your information gathering and how did you mm -hmm. um follow through did you make a checklist or was uh, it all as yeah. hectic as your move in general for sure like i of course i didn't know it was called ma35 when i first got here <laughs> that was something that took a little bit of time to figure out mm -hmm. uh, ma35 is um the einwanderungsbehörde immigration office only in vienna though mm -hmm. right yeah and it's not obvious if you hear like ma35 or in fact the german word if you don't speak german uh exactly what it is so you don't know that you have to look for it. Um, I, when I first got here, I did obviously sort of quite a lot of research into um, like the various government websites, trying to see what was what. Got quite confused initially by the difference between uh, the red, white, red card requirements, which um, before I made the move and, you know, while I was sort of still thinking about moving to Austria at some point in the future. I'd already looked at this page and thought maybe the requirements looked really heavy uh, because, you know, they wanted sort of a lot of guarantees about sort of uh, being employed and having like a minimum income and that sort of thing. So I thought on balance, it would definitely be better to sort of take advantage of any deal that came out of the Brexit agreement rather than go down that path. Mm, especially being a student before and uh, not yeah. fulfilling the employment requirements in this case, right? Exactly, yeah. Um, one thing I didn't think of too much was whether or not to transfer like my studies over to Austria. And I think that was maybe because I didn't get the sense that there were a lot of English language courses that I could transfer to. And I subsequently found out that would, that would have been true. So when... Uh, when I sort of had this initial look at the red-white-red red thing, I was then pretty sure that I would end up on the the Brexit track, whatever that turned out to be, because this was all still undecided at this point. Then when I actually made the move, when coronavirus hit, um, things started to become a bit clearer from the administrative side as the withdrawal period came to a, a close. And Austria implemented their sort of requirement for British citizens to re-register and in return we'd get a shiny new ID card showing uh, that we had access to 
like the Austrian state as a European uh, rather than just another sort of third country national. Mm -hmm. And initially that was um, mostly due to sort of networks of other British people already resident in Austria that I was able to find this out. So you're naming Facebook groups here as a as a good source for information? I don't I wasn't using Facebook at the time actually so that wasn't a big thing for me. Um I mean there were a couple of public pages around but there is a very strong British in Austria group which uh maintains its own website and that has a lot of frequently asked questions in a really sort of easy to peruse format in my opinion and uh when i found that a lot of the other bits of information that i knew that i probably needed started to fall into place and i recognized then what the common path i should be following with other british people living here uh, would be mhm all right yeah so you did your research you settled on a visa what were the next steps you took were you in the uk when you applied for the visa were you in austria how did you go about it Uh no I was already in Austria when I sort of did the administrative stuff because it because it was so sudden and um what that meant was figuring out that there was a residency requirement for everyone in Austria even citizens so I knew I had to get my uh, melded settle Mm, yeah, it's a legal requirement to get it within three days of being here, actually. <laughs> Which is a little bit unrealistic. Yep. Um, but, uh, yeah, they seem not to be too sort of strict on enforcement. So, like, I tried my best just to get it in as soon as possible. And in the event, they were totally fine with that. Mm -hmm. And then there was the um, the Anmeldebischeinigung for um, registering as a resident here. And that took a little bit longer. Uh, I think that had to be done within like the first three months. But because of coronavirus, the office was closed for a lot of the time. And this was after I'd sort of spoken to a few people and read a few websites and figured out it was um, a requirement to do it and which office I had to go to. Initially, I wasn't sure whether I needed to go to the... Um, the magistrate for the Bitsirk, the district that I was living in, or whether or not I had to go straight to MA35, like the, the federal uh, bureau for this. In the event, I think I ended up going to both. <laughs> okay. Uh, but uh, yeah, the MA35 turned into the destination that I would visit most often as the withdrawal agreement stuff kicked in. And, and that was later on than my initial registration of residency because at that point I was still technically European mm -hmm. so um, usually when you go to these um, offices you have to bring a lot of documents with you mm -hmm. did you compile this beforehand or did you do it step by step depending on what they were asking you or which documents did you even have to bring I found eventually a list of documents that were required And Where did you find them? If I remember rightly, it was on the same help page that I'd looked at initially, you know, sort of at the very start of 2020, when I was just thinking about moving to Austria, mm -hmm. but on a page that I'd never seen. Okay. <laughs> and so eventually found the info and 
in the event, the requirements were a lot less strict than were written down. Um, I brought literally everything that I had uh, okay. with me and they didn't really look that hard. Uh, they wanted to see my passport, obviously, and uh, they wanted to know where I was living. And so I took my tenancy agreement and I think I needed to prove that I had a employment here as well. But um, I'm not sure if they even looked at that, really, even though I took a letter to say that I was being employed. Mm -hmm. uh, because of because I was still European at the time I was registering my residency here, there wasn't any uh, salary requirement or any um, like uh, duration of stay requirement, really. It was just very straightforward as, as transferring between European countries would be. But the information that w was supposed to be required in document form turned mm -hmm. out to be sort of quite different from the amount that they actually required. Mm -hmm. Was there anything on top you had to bring that was required in the end? Or is there anything on top you would recommend to bring? Um, I think if I were to recommend anything, it would be to just bring as much as you possibly can because I feel that it's not by any means guaranteed that they'll ask you for the minimum. And I think that it depends on whoever is interviewing you as to whether or not they have the sense that you're there legitimately or not. I got the sense that with people who were perhaps less conversationally fluent in either English or German, then there was a bit more of a barrier. And from just the other people that I saw in the queue being dealt with, uh, they tended to spend longer and need to provide more documentary proof than I did. Mm, that sounds uncomfortable. Yeah, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a good feeling. And it made me sort of quite aware of my privilege as a white British person native English speaker um, I felt like it, there wasn't really any question of, of for my motivation for registering residency in Austria like why would I not be doing that uh, I don't feel like I can honestly say that everybody else might have had such a smooth experience mm -hmm. when you you obviously went in person to most of the offices Did you feel like there was a good understanding of why you were there and a good understanding of English and how they could help you? Everybody's willingness to speak English was sort of so-so. Uh, everyone's ability to speak English was absolutely perfect. Uh, I've got to say, Austria scores very, very, very highly on like English conversational ability. And it puts me to shame that I still, after a couple of years being here, feel like when I try and speak German, and I feel like I've, you know, picked up a lot of vocab and a lot of a uh, lot of conversational idioms, but when I try and string it all into a sentence, I still struggle to express myself. So, yeah, <laughs> I felt very ashamed that I couldn't automatically speak German. But um, yeah, they were very very. Uh, helpful in that respect um, once we got going initially I think the expectation was that I would speak German and to anybody who I sort of uh, 
offended or inconvenienced by not being able to, then you know, I apologize to you, but thank you very much for reciprocating in, in English when it was clear my language skills weren't up to the job. Okay, wow. <laughs> so everyone spoke English with you. You could apply, like put in your documents. What were the next steps? And after that, how long was the actual processing time? Did you have to resubmit documents or was there any trouble in that regard? Uh, there was absolutely no trouble in terms of having my documents accepted and I didn't have to resubmit anything uh, because I'd taken everything with me to that initial meeting for the um, for the uh, registration. Then there weren't any outstanding requirements and getting the melded settle uh, for where I was actually living, that also, if I remember rightly, was relatively little hassle. Um, mm -hmm. just a trip to the magistrate and then yeah I guess then because my my story is kind of like a two-part thing uh, I've got the initial registration with like my Meldersettel and my Anne Meldersettel for arriving in Austria and then I had to do it all again uh, when I moved house at the end of 2020 and when I had to re-register as a resident in Austria uh, because of the Brexit withdrawal. Ah, that's so annoying. <laughs> it was annoying. And I I don't begrudge the, uh, the bureaucracy where, you know, I'm moving house, I guess, because, you know, if the state wants to know who's living in which houses and you move house, then fair enough. You know, mm -hmm. it's just... It's just one more form to sign with all of the the bundle that the the estate agent gives you. Mm -hmm. With the re-registration for Article Fifty, I was a little bit surprised that I actually had to sort of go and re-register in pretty much exactly the same way as before. Uh, I kind of assumed that having already m made that initial step when I got here for residency that they would have my details on file and would just sort of convert it to like a Brexit thing. Mm -hmm. But it turned out not to be the case. I needed to go in person to uh, the MA35 office in Meidling and uh, very early in the morning queue with my bundle of documents again. And uh, Oh, okay. Did you get an appointment straight away or do you have to get appointments there? The way that they did it was that they were offering appointments from January onwards of 2021 and I anticipated that, that there would be a rush for the January ones so I left it until February uh, because you had until the end of 2021 to actually make the re-registration and it turned out to be a good move I think uh, the wait wasn't that long um, they had a dedicated Brexit desk <laughs> with a little uh, UK flag which I found sort of quite sweet in a way um, but again did nothing to dispel the notion that actually I'm in quite a privileged position here because the queue on the other side of the room for the regular desks was considerably longer and slower than than the sort of Brexit fast track and sure enough then they wanted to look at my passport again and uh, check out my documents again um, not 
more or less thoroughly than than before just sort of again did they ask you anything on top on the requirements that you still fulfilled but um they weren't asking you the first time like did you have to bring in german certificates or job applications or no, anything like that no there at no point was there any sort of proof of language skill and um i still had my employment contract which again i don't think they looked at for the brexit thing either the thing they were most interested in was my citizenship and my uh prior residency certificate because i think that they sort of assumed that that was relevant and yeah i <laughs> As I said, I don't know why they didn't just sort of convert that one straight off instead of requiring me to go and bring the whole bundle of documents again. Um, it also cost a bit more money. Um, if I remember rightly, it was around like 70 or 80 euros to register for the Brexit thing, which came on top of uh, the small amount of money I think I remember paying when I first got here. So it was kind of annoying that it was an additional administrative expense. But end result is that you know uh, f f maybe two months later three months later I can't remember exactly uh, but I got my Brexit card in the post and now I have something to wave at people as I uh, re-enter the country's borders to prove that I'm really resident here and please don't stamp my my sad old British passport <laughs> that must be a good feeling yeah I mean because of coronavirus and travel restrictions I haven't really had a chance to test this out yet um, mm -hmm. I thought I was going to on a train trip to Italy recently but actually they were much more concerned with a valid uh, vaccination certificate than anything yeah. else I think uh, we'll stay for us a bit longer mm -hmm. so now you have the card right mm -hmm. it took you two three months until to get it yeah um, how long is it valid for Uh, that's a five-year card that I have. Um, and I believe that this depends very much on exactly how long you were already resident in Austria as to whether you're entitled to the five-year card or the 10-year card, which is then sort of supposed to be equivalent to the existing permanent residency right for European citizens. Mm -hmm. And what strikes me as funny is that actually... British citizens on this Article 50 track of immigration have slightly better conditions for their permanent residency with this tenure card than uh, other European citizens do, uh, who are still part of Europe. Yeah, it's true. Um, we, I think there's a requirement on the five-year card that if you leave Austria for more than six months at a time, then you're deemed to no longer be resident there. And I think that's the same with other European countries, nationals as well. But with the 10-year card, I believe I'm correct in saying that Europeans who have the equivalent permanent residency can take a gap of two years away from Austria and retain their permanent residency. Whereas those with an Article 50 card of the 10-year variety can go for five years. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's really interesting. Yeah. Very strange to have ended up with a better deal as a result of Brexit. I really did not expect that. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a nice twist then, I guess, no? Yes and no. I mean, I have to put this into perspective that I do very much feel, even as 
much of a privilege as I feel I have to have been able to settle here as a European past the end of the transition period. I mean, my my sense of European citizenship has very definitely been taken away from me. And I do resent the political process that led to this point that now I'm only European in Austria. You know, I can't just go and move to France, for example, or or to Germany or anywhere else in the in the European Union with the same rights. They're non-transferable. I can only exercise them for as long as I'm resident in Austria. But that would change if you applied for permanent residency, right? No, with permanent residency, then it's still also possible to lose it. Like with this five-year gap that I was just talking about, if I were to live in another country for longer than that, uh, I wouldn't be considered European in my new country. And once I'd lost my residency uh, sort of duration in Austria, then I would no longer be considered European in Austria either. So that would be the worst of all worlds. Uh, my eventual goal is to become an Austrian citizen. Mm-hmm. With that, you'll be a full European citizen again, right? Yes, that's right. But that comes with a bunch of different challenges, of course. Um, Austria's got one of the hardest uh, citizenship requirements in the European Union. I believe the usual thing is for 10-year residency with uh, demonstrable German language skills and um, consistent social security payments and health insurance, that sort of thing. And I believe that you can get this reduced down to six years, I think it is, if you show that you're sufficiently well integrated by the end of that six years, so you don't have to like wait for ten. And again, I think this depends on things like whether or not you've been continuously employed and whether or not you have studied in Austria and whether or not your German language is already sufficiently good at that point. So fingers crossed that I would I could fast track sort of... I've been here two years already, so it'd be another four years to wait <laughs> if my German improves a bit and uh, if I sort of keep working and studying, then... That's the route I would eventually like to take. Mm-hmm. But that also comes with a big uh, but, and that is that, with few exceptions, Austri- acquiring Austrian citizenship means that you have to give up whichever citizenship you currently have. So I would be making a very definite decision to lose my British citizenship if I were to gain Austrian citizenship. And that's something that... Um, I'm not 100% decided on yet but for me the advantage of uh, remaining European and being better integrated into the country that I've arrived in seems at this stage to outweigh hanging on to a citizenship that I may not choose to use in the future mm-hmm. yeah that's that's a real tough decision I think it's one of the hardest parts of this and um, I'm extremely jealous of my my friend back in the UK who uh, whose great-grandmother or great-grandmother, I can't remember, was born in Brno in what is now Czechia uh, in 1912, I think it was, 1912, 1914, can't remember exactly. 
Uh, at this point, Brno was still in the Austrian-Hungarian Empire, and they were a Jewish family. They ended up getting sort of moved around the, the sort of Eastern European territory of Austria-Hungary, and then subsequently Poland and Hungary and Austria as it partitioned, uh, right up until the Second World War, at which point the relative that she has in question uh, found herself in Israel um, sort of effectively sort of uh, keeping a, a safe distance away from like the rise of fascism in Europe uh, studying in, in Tel Aviv mm-hmm. and it's there where she met a, a British serviceman and then ended up in the UK and uh, you know a couple of generations later here's my friend who's now entitled because of a new law since 2020 I think it was in Austria that allows for the restitution of Austrian citizenship to descendants of people persecuted uh, during the Second World War. Wow. Mm-hmm. So she could feasibly become a dual national because this is an additional benefit on top of uh, your existing citizenship. You don't have to prove anything about your German language skill. You don't have to prove anything about your um, your Europeanness or your working status or mm-hmm. anything else like that. The documentary proof then is all about uh, your ancestry. Yeah, your your relatives and what's in the archives about how they were forced to evacuate from Austria and former Austrian territories as a result of of, uh, of fascism in World War Two. <laughs> it's crazy to think that this is an easier way to get an Austrian citizenship than to go through a normal bureaucratic uh, system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Um, and it feels very odd to s- sort of think someone lucky for having had um, a persecuted relative. I mean, it's not at all really like the rest of her family died in the Holocaust. I mean, it's, it's not lucky. But in the context, it's it's an enormous privilege for her in the present day to be able to acquire Austrian citizenship relatively easily whereas for many others it's really a lot harder Mm -hmm. and I should say that there's some other shortcuts that uh, I've heard about Um, if you are able to present yourself as having a very obvious commitment and Uh, benefit to the Austrian state then you can be sort of just arbitrarily awarded citizenship Uh, I know of at least one example uh, of someone who's received that personally and uh, if you have two million euros then I've also heard and this is unsubstantiated I can't verify this (laughs) myself but I've heard that it's uh, perfectly possible to buy Austrian citizenship in effect as a result of an award made on your investment in the country. And this is not, um, it's not like just a couple of times I've heard that this is possible. It's even advertised on some of those companies' websites where they sort of manage your passport portfolio if you're a wealthy client. Um, so, I mean, I don't have two million euros and I don't have uh, Jewish relatives and uh I'm not quite sure how I'm going to you know, summon some magnificent contribution to Austrian 
culture and society over the next four years other than just keeping on being a part of it so it looks like you know working and studying and learning German for the next four years until I reach that six-year point is is the best option for me Mm -hmm. yeah it's unfortunate how bureaucratic it is and um, yeah circling back to the topic of immigration um, is there anything for you as a person who had to go through this tedious process that you would personally think could be made easier or any suggestions if Emma 35 is listening or any employees mm-hmm. <laughs> relevant for this process is there anything you would want to adjust I think for me my experiences with MA35 were on the whole quite positive even if it was sometimes hard to access the information I really would have appreciated having uh, better structured information available online and as an English native speaker I'm very lucky that a lot of that had been translated but the actual website layout uh, the way in which the content was organized was not so easy it did take me a long time to find out what I needed to know and I would also say that compared to my experience of getting my Austrian driver's license um, going through the uh, the residency registration process was very very smooth indeed Uh, (laughs) the driving license was much harder because the requirements were less well stated even than the residency requirement And the driver's license was a requirement for another visa type or? No, the driving license was just something that I needed to switch anyway, because after you've been in another country, I think for six months uh, as a European, then you're supposed to switch it over anyway. And mine was just about to expire from Britain, uh, coincidentally. So it was quite important that I got this done. So then I had to go to um, the uh, the transport police, I think it was, um, on in Vienna to uh, to make this switch. I initially tried contacting by email, uh, but didn't get very far. Contacting on the telephone in my very, very bad German didn't seem like a good option. So the remaining choice really was to get up at 7.30 in the morning and stand outside the building in an extremely long queue for the eight o'clock start. Because if if I'd got there at eight o'clock, I would never have got in. And after queuing for about an hour, I finally made it to the desk and got sort of redirected around a, a big maze of different rooms. It wasn't very clear who I needed to speak to about switching my British license to an Austrian one, what the requirements were, I ended up having to take an additional medical test and then sort of go through the whole process again. There was some other confusion about um, photocopiers. The photocopiers are not free, by the way. I will make this point very, very clearly to anybody listening. If you need to uh, take uh, documents with you anywhere and you're not sure whether or not you need to actually give them a copy make sure you bring lots and lots of small change for the photocopiers because otherwise it's going to be a nightmare. You don't want to have to like rebook the appointment if you don't have the right money for the copier. No one will give it to you, I promise you. And in the end, when I'd applied for my driving license uh, in what I thought was the entirety, 
then I left thinking, okay, well, it's probably going to be about a two or three month wait, like my registration documents, like my Brexit card. In the end, I was waiting like five, six months for my driving license to arrive before I thought, hmm, hang on, this is not right. So I actually then stood in line for a third time uh, to get into the office to ask them what had happened. And after going around the labyrinth of rooms again, uh, I eventually got to speak to a guy who said, oh, yeah, it's on my shelf. It's been here since since three months ago. <laughs> so, that is so wild. And then I spoke to one of our mutual friends, actually, uh, about driving licenses also, and she had the exact same thing happen to her. Uh, they never, uh, they never called, contact. They never called, never yeah. emailed to let her know it was ready. Okay, so that's another good tip. After three months, the period it should take, mm-hmm. go check, do the do the long queue again, but at least have it sooner than a six month wait. Yeah, I I think I would recommend this as a good strategy in the general case when sort of dealing with um, like documentation and uh, dealing with the state. Uh, if it doesn't happen within like f- four months or so, then maybe it's just time to check in. Just, you know, it lets them know that you're still like engaged with the process. And it also gives you the peace of mind that like stuff is actually happening and that you will actually get the documents that you need. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're you're here in Austria <laughs> and that you can... Um, go into the whole process of becoming a resident maybe later on um and yeah it's a good note to end uh, on the podcast thank you so much for being here thank you thanks for listening if you know someone or even are someone whose story needs to be told please message me under immigration.stories.austria at gmail.com you can also find the email address in the show notes Immigration Stories Austria.